Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back once again to the Fallout Bar. Day number five, Super Sunday at the Alley Pally or something along those lines. Um, Jets joined by Charlie Hopper and Cam. I love it when you two have the same first letter of your name. It doesn't get too confusing when you're in mid-flare or anything at all, honestly. Um, first of all, Charlie, we'll start with you. How are you, buddy? Yeah, really good, mate, to be honest. Um, spent the whole day watching the darts, so it really was a, a super Sunday and there were some cracking games in there and, you know, the last two games were exceptional, really. Cam, no pink hoodie for you tonight. Maybe that's foreshadowing a little bit of events that have gone on in the last hour or so. Um, no, it wasn't coming out anyway today. It would have been too much of a <laughs> too much of a push. I mean, contrary to popular belief, I don't get changed based on what's happened in the darts that day. Um, you literally did the first time you bought the pink hoodie out. One one time. Um, <laughs> so no, it was it was a really good day. Uh, same as Charlie, I've watched all of it today along with football, cricket, everything else. I've literally not moved from this room all day. Can we stop mentioning the cricket? Oh, no, I, I, yeah, I wasn't really talking about that cricket, although I did watch that as well. Um, I watched some of the big bash this morning as well. Proper cricket, there we go. White ball. Yeah, like the, 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 lad, the yeah. lad that should be bowling in the in the test team at the moment, taking four for nine this morning for Sydney Thunder. You come across a little bit bitter. Me? Never. Never. That's what happens when you're from up north. Hello to everybody in the chat room, folks. Great to have you with us once again on this Sunday evening in the UK or wherever you are listening. I dread think what time it is in Australia. Once again for you, Winita, you're in the chat room. As always, Yankee Clipper is in, Colin is in, Matthew is in, Tommy Tornado is in, Rose is in. No doubt we'll see the love heart eyes emoji coming up very, very shortly when we talk through tonight's action. Um, but first place to start, gents, is the afternoon. Four games then and then four games this evening. Uh, we will go back in order, as that gives us the most time to get the clips ready. Uh, we have a few of those interview clips ready for you folks, as always. And before we do get underway, please do, if you get the chance, like today's show, subscribe to the channel and comment below to get involved. We'll try and flash up as many comments from you folks on the screen as possible, as long as you keep them nice and friendly. Um, on, There we go. 7.16 a.m. Monday. That means it's nearly time for work. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, it It's star eyes emojis, not heart eyes emojis. But, you know, the, the same applies. Henry says, hi, fellas. Tonight was the night the tournament came to life. Three ridiculous games. Clayton showed the dart. The world champ to win that. Keen Barry's time will come. Absolutely. We will talk about that in about 26 minutes time is my guess. We'll, we'll see. We've not been too good at keeping to time so far this week. 
you say that is we've had so many games to talk about. Admittedly, tomorrow we have less to look forward to for tomorrow. There is only one session of Monday night darts, which means we don't have as many games to rush through. Whether that means we spend more time on each of these games, we spend more time actually looking at games tomorrow, or we do neither and everybody gets to bed early. We don't know, but we'll see how the show plays out. Um, first game of the day then, folks, and it feels like an absolute age ago. I'm like four years older every time we sit here at the end of this. Um, Mike Kyvenhoven uh, beating Kai Smith 3-1 up on stage, Charlie. We saw Kai's father, Raymond, uh, win over the weekend as well. Um, but it was just a step too much for young Kai. Uh, he struggled against Mike Kyvenhoven going down 3-1. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest game to start off with, to be honest. And Kavanaugh missed a handful of doubles, so he, he could have easily ran away with that 3-0. But um, Kai Smith just, just showed his frustrations throughout the game. And you could see it on his face. There was one occasion which I thought was going to um, get him back into life. I think he was 2-0 down when he took out the 1-1-6 on uh, double 19, uh, triple 19, triple 19 and then went straight for the double one. <laughs> I was like, when he hit that, I thought maybe we'll see a comeback, but it was just too little, too late really for him. And I thought Kavanaugh did did a pretty professional job on him. The doubles weren't great from him either, but um, you know, it's just about getting that victory, and we say that every night. We do indeed. Cam, Carl Smith was was fantastic in qualifying. He's been doing bits over in Australia, but I guess this is another example of nineteen year old not really being exposed to big stage PDC darts didn't quite deliver on what plenty of people out there know that he's capable of. Yeah, I think exactly that. I think Charlie was a little bit kind, to be honest, in terms of that it wasn't very good on the Dublin. It was absolutely shocking from the pair of them for the most part. Um, the yeah, the 116 was my favourite. That's still just under one in three. That's every visit. Yeah, it's no, I'm not. <laughs> it's going to be competitive, don't get me wrong. You want that number to be somewhere around the 40 and up. 100%. Yeah, and especially if you're only averaging 79 as well. At the, at the that doesn't help. Yeah, um, you're not going to get enough shots to to be able to miss them. Um, yeah, it, it was his first time up there. I mean, going away with a set on your first time up there at 19, it's, it's probably not too bad in hindsight. And he'll learn a lot from it and he'll come again and, and go again. And he'll have more composure next time for it um they were, yeah it was just it wasn't it wasn't one that was an enjoyable watch was it and you could say that for the, for the next two we're going to talk about as well to be honest <laughs> yeah but we, we, we've got to keep talking about it because phil's still waiting for johnny clayton and we don't have an interview clips yet we don't i'm not planning on one until the third game but we need to just slow it down a little bit yeah not, we'll, we'll just have to circle back to them that's just the way that tonight has gone obviously when you get royalty at the Ali Pali, uh, spoiler alert, the Queen was back. Um, a quick word then on on Kyvenhoven. Um, not the most impressive display, but a win, Cam. He's had a little bit of an up and down season, I think. He, he hasn't been the most consistent player on the tour. Um, and we'll, we'll get to this a little bit later on as well, I guess. But he needs to step it up if he's going to win through the next round. Yeah, of course he does. Um, but... The first round is just about getting through at the end of the day, isn't it? It wasn't the best performance from him. He was not particularly cool on the doubles. He didn't didn't look very composed. He didn't look like he was in a great place with his game. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if he can... He showed quite a bit in terms of... He kept kicking off with 180s at the start of every leg, which if you can tidy up the scoring after that, then he can probably afford to miss a few doubles because he'll be so far ahead in the leg. But it was sort of, he was following those with... 60s and 40s and not so much just it, but that you keep kicking off 180 especially in your own throw you're going to be difficult to beat so he's got he has got potential to go and go and do something in his next round and this is where i've been doing my research all week i've forgotten who he's playing now um in the next round he's playing your boy isn't he he is playing your boy tomorrow last on yes, yeah. yes tomorrow last on yes um well one of your boys is the I still have the Polish budgie or whatever we're calling him now because we got rid of the pitch and nickname he's gone now, so we've just got one left. <laughs> just killing every single bird inside. <laughs> um, on to game number two, then, boys. And again, a little bit of a slog fest between um, an Australian and another player. 
uh, Jason Heaver this time beating Gordon Mothers 3-1 in a game that again delivered low 80 averages, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of glad it didn't go to a last set decider, to be honest, because it just wasn't a, a great game. But having said that, both players are, are, are ranked similar to each other. So I was kind of looking forward to seeing who was going to, you know, sort of slog it out. And Jason Heaver really impressed me, actually. It wasn't a great game in terms of averages and there was no real standout um, high checkouts or anything like that. But um, And only two 180s thrown from, from Heaver. But he got the job done. And look, he's, he's, he did well to stop any resurgence from from Gordon Mathers because at 2-0 up I thought he was going to cruise it he came back to 2-1 and I thought this could get a little bit nasty for him and he then reels off the last three legs to to, to round off a 3-1 win so he'll be happy with that um, but Gordon Mathers just didn't really get going in the game at all Yeah Cameron I suppose that's a little bit of the story of Gordon Mathers' season I think if memory serves me correctly he came through Q school pretty late if by the order of merit um, he's, he's been steady on the Pro Tour, but he hasn't really dug up any trees as such. He's another player that just, for me, they just exist on the Pro Tour right now. And I need to start knocking a few more people out of the way. Don't get me wrong, completely understand this is a very, very competitive era and it's quite difficult to do that. But he's, he's one of them players that doesn't seem to have his day as often as others that mean he can go on these little runs. Yeah, I just... You can't just keep, like I say, just existing, winning one or two matches here and there because it's not you're not going to stick around for very long. You're going to fade away, and and you're not going to get not going to get there. I think he looks like he might make it competitive for a little while in the middle of that game. He fired in a couple of one eighties in the set that he won, and you thought maybe this is going to be where it kicks on. Like Charlie said, kind of glad it didn't go to a go to a final. Set. Maybe because we'd probably still be watching it now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the next one as well. Yeah, but to be fair, I, I was quite impressed with with Jason Haver in the last set. It was he just comfortably closed it out three 0 and it was. Yeah, if he, if he played every set like he did that last set, Charlie, it might have been a completely different story. But I guess when you're up there on that big stage in front of that crowd, playing for a significant amount of money, we've seen that affect quite a few players so far this tournament. Yeah, and I wasn't really sure how he would sort of how Jason Heaver would settle into it. But the first set, he he had seventy five percent on his doubles, so you know he'd settled in well. He'd got off the stage pretty quickly. He'd done he'd done the job basically. But obviously that was that was going to naturally deteriorate as the game went on. But you know he could have got into a bit of a slog fest between him and and Mathis if if he did reeled off another set and it would have gone to a decider. But he still had that daylight, and if he'd have played exactly as he did in the last set. Where he averaged 88 3 0, he could have been in the back room pretty quickly. He could have, indeed. Uh, we should be moving on to the next game right now, but I'm still waiting on a few clips. Admittedly, one of them is for the next game, not the one we're talking about. But I thought just to give us a little bit more chance so we don't disrupt the flow of the show too much, what I'm going to do now, boys, is let's have a quick look over our fantasy league. And show you who is leading. Charlie's all of a sudden looking quite happy. Look at the grin on Charlie's face. <laughs> is Sean McCardle, 89 points in the OD Fantasy League. Uh, Bradley Monker in second. Uh, random username in third. Our very own Charlie Hopper sat there in fourth. Look at the grin on the young lad's face. Absolutely flying, mate. Let's have a look at your team, Charlie. What have you got for us? you got Peter Wright, you've got a captain of Gerwin Price, an eliminated Ratajski and an eliminated Darius Labanowskis. Ross Smith putting up some serious points for you there, buddy. Alan Suter still got another game to play. Rob Cross still got a game to play. And Barney potentially got at least one game to play, if not two in this round, as he will take on Lawrence Ilagan tomorrow as well. You are placed pretty nicely right there, to be honest, buddy. Yeah, well, what can I say, mate? It's it's all in the research, you see. You've, you've got to you've got to put the time and hours in to get it right. You just yeah, picked your name, didn't you? Yeah, I, to be honest, that wasn't the team I started off with. <laughs> I couldn't get the account to work, so I'd say it all, and it all crash. So I just put them back in again, thinking who's going to win, and then, well, it's gone pretty nicely for me. <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on then, Gob. Let's have a little scroll down. Where are you? 
Oh, Miles back, mate. Don't worry about me. Uh, Steve Padman's in fifth, uh, played at the World Seniors. He sometimes tunes in. So if you're watching, Steve, good to see you. Tony Standin's in sixth. Uh, Philip Wolf, uh, he is in tenth position. He'll be on Twitter somewhere. Um, Andrew Kinsman, he's normally watching most of our stuff, interacting with us on Twitter. He's in 14th place. Phil Bars, the gaffer, 15th. Overall, 61 points for Phil. Of course, he's got Michael Van Gerwen. Of course, he's got Michael Smith. Of course, he's got Gerwin Price. He's still got Barney to play in that one. And he still has Joe Cullen and Michael Smith. Charlie, you need to be watching over that shoulder of yours. Let's keep scrolling down, see if we can spot any more of our team. Yeah, I've still not done mine. I'm not even in it yet. <laughs> Oh, Liam Riley. Look, oh, look at that. Liam Riley is in third, joint 39th place with Lee Boyce. A little bit of tetchy drama between the two there. Who have they got in their teams? Liam has got Van Gerwen, Price as captain, Smith still to play, Searle still to play, um, and Alan Suter still to play his second round game. Lee, Snakey, Jose still to play, Dobie as captain. Interesting move. Ryan Searle still to play. And Alan Suter's second round game still to play. The fact that Lee has done this with only one of his top four and still has an extra game to be played at the bottom is pretty impressive so far. Who else have we got? Lewis Henderson. He won one of our competitions recently. Maliki, there you are in 45th position. Level with Jarliff Eaton. Oki Balboa's in. Keep scrolling. Scott Mitchell level with Juanita, one of us versus one of the fans. Dan Simpson's level with Matt Edgar. What a what a what a place to be that is. Anyone see me? Oh, there I am! Yay! Yes, <laughs> that would have been amusing. Right, enough for that. I'm fed up of uh, seeing how bad I am. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you don't involved, make sure. You guys do. We're no doubt going to keep this as a rolling thing throughout the year. If the PDC keep this up, it has gained so much interest, and obviously that will help us. Uh, Gives us something to talk about on our live lounges, etc. We'll keep that as a running competition throughout the year. Um, on to game number three of the day, then, folks, and it was Alan Suter against Diogo Portela uh, or Portea as. Um, Mark Webster kept referring to him as difficult to watch that at times. Um, Suits 3-2 victory. Cam, to you first. Again, the averages are better in this one compared to the previous two games, but it was a tough watch. It was, yeah. It was just... It was one of those sessions where it just none of it was particularly enjoyable to watch. There was, again, a lot of messing around on the doubles from, from Suits. There was a bit of him getting a little bit too involved early on with the crowd and playing too much the crowd and not really focusing on what he needed to do, I think. Um, but there was, and there's also, there was a bit of magic from, from Diogo at times where he looked really good for short spells and then kind of just fell, fell away a little bit and just, just faded away. But it, like they said in, in commentary on Skylight, Mark Webster said he, he really needs to talk about Diogo, doesn't he? Think if he's playing week in, week out, you'll see a massive improvement from him. He's got that competitive play. I know he's played a bit in the live league and things like that, but he needs more. Yeah, Charlie Diogo's always been in that slot, really, hasn't he, where he needs a bit more. He needs to get himself on that tour full-time and see if he can find that extra level to his game to be competitive permanently. Um, he struggled at times. Tommy absolutely nails it. I like the troublous visits on the stats. This was the highest troublous visit stat game that I've seen so far in this tournament. Don't get me wrong. At other moments, there were there were big scores, there were big finishes from both of these two, but the troublous visits meant that this one stayed competitive because neither of them could really find the treble of any real consistency. Yeah, I, I mean, Alan Suter struggled massively at the start, um, and as Cam said, he looked like he'd got into a bit of a a bit of a, he was a bit distracted by the crowd, wasn't he? And he was geeing them up a little bit and he wasn't focused on, on the darts. He got off to a really slow start. But if anyone said to me, what game would you say I should watch to get into darts? This would definitely not be it. Because this was probably my least favourite game of the whole day. 
Um, and it was just one of them that, that neither player got away. But I reckon if, if Portal had a lot more involvement in the tour, if he was on the tour and he was playing regularly, we'd see a huge improvement in his game because there was chances there when he was hitting the 180s with, with regularity that you saw the game is there, but it's just not been sort of re- repeated throughout the game. And that's the reason why he's on the losing end of, of a lot of results. Yeah, Charlie and Fasuits, not Charlie, you've just spoken. Cam Fasuits, fantastic debut year in the PDC, has made quite an impact. Obviously, him and Barney seem to have been here, there and everywhere together as they've grown from the bottom of the rankings all the way up at the same time. Um, I think this one could be put down to the fact that it's his first time up on that big, big stage. Played at the UK Open before, played Barney at the UK Open before, um, but the World Championships is just a little bit different and didn't quite produce the game we've seen from on the floor this year, but more in the tank, big big occasion, playing Diogo, who has reputation at the Ali Pali as well. Chalk this one up to experience for Suta and the fact he's still in. Well, yeah, that's it at the end of the day. I mean, how many people do we do we see have their first game up on that stage and go away not performing and not getting a result? And he, despite not performing as well as we know that he can, has got through. So... That, that's all all you need to do, especially on your first time up there. If you can still, despite being below the level, get yourself through, then we know he can be dangerous. And like I said, he's not been in the best form recently, like he was when he first sort of got he got onto the tour at the start of the year, and he started off really well. He's kind of fallen away a little bit, so this could just be the one that kicks him on again now, and he has got a little bit of a, a chance to to make it difficult for people. He has indeed. Uh, Sam says, Suit has been an exciting watch this year, so expected better. Yeah, but I think we've, we've just covered that a little bit. Um, Jamie says, does the Scotland chant offend Cam? I hope not. He's from Blackburn. Yeah, no, absolutely <laughs> doesn't. So, I mean, I do, I do have the most Scottish name of all time, but to be fair, my granddad was... It might offend one. Scott from the team, but it certainly would not offend Cam. He's no. singing along. He's the rowdy one. The man can't even go a show without a beverage to his side. I mean, I'm uh, actually, it. that is a glass of water I'll have you find. Well, mine's empty, but I was on one earlier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is in a wine glass because there was wine in it before, but... It was definitely wine in it last night as well. I saw you. I got my eyes on you, but... Oh, yeah, I had wine last night. Of course. We needed it. Um, on to... <laughs> we don't have that interview ready just yet. I am waiting on PB to drop them into the software for us. Uh, he's obviously still caught up with Johnny Clayton, so hopefully we get that one as soon as possible. Uh, we're going to move on. If we get them in time, we'll circle back to them. If not, um, and he drops on in a minute, we'll just go with updates from wherever we get to. Um, Jamie says, Gob, is that a Christmas jumper? It is, mate, in a fashion. It is a Liverpool FC Christmas jumper that says Felice Nabi Lad, which is very scouts, I think, very apt. And let's not talk about the football today because it was... If anybody follows me on Twitter, you know my feelings about the refereeing today. Cam and I have had words. Um, yeah. until well, that's that's we're gonna have, it's going to be a very long show and yeah. there's going to be not much to ask. So. On to the fourth game of the day, the final game of the afternoon session and the first round two match of the day uh, featuring Stephen Bunting as the seeded player against Ross Smith with his brand new online darts patch on his left sleeve. Uh, boys, this one, look, the averages don't say great, 88-94, was a belter. An absolute enjoyable game to watch this. Could have gone either way. Um, real ding-dong battle, Charlie, and look, the emotions were there for both players. I just thought this was a really good watch. If after this game you'd have told me that later the action later on would have been even better than this, I'd have said no chance. Because that this game was incredible. The fact that Ross Smith at 1-0 had had darts to take to 2-0 and Stephen Bunting hung in there and just about managed through, you know, the last thread to, to level up the game and then take the lead. It was, what a game. And that one six seven from Ross Smith and then a one oh two. Oh, it, it just had everything. And, you know, that serious, um, serious bottle from Ross Smith as well, right at the end of the game to, to take it out in that fashion. He, it, you know, he'll, he'll, that, that'll take him a long way with the win. Um, but, uh, you know, dumping out a, a big seed in, in Stephen Bunting as well. Yeah, and another part of the draw that might potentially open up in a bit. We'll get to that 
very, very shortly. Uh, I suppose, Cam, this one is the most apt representation of set play you're ever going to see. Ross Smith absolutely cruising, wins the first set 3-0, goes 2-0 up in the second, pegged back to one set all by Stephen Bunting, who clings on, and then finds himself two sets to one up, does Stephen Bunting. Yeah, it was literally, at that point, it was looked like Ross could have absolutely run away with it. And I think if it hadn't been set play, I think we might well have seen that. Uh, Bunting would have just been too far back. But that is the beauty of this format and why it's, it's my favourite format, to be honest. I just love that you can be you can be one leg away from winning it and all of a sudden you need another three. And it, it was just a brilliant game to watch. I thought it's huge as well, this, I think, for Ross Smith and the fact that he had a massive wobble after when he missed the darts to go two sets up and then had a wobble again in the next set. To come through that and then finish it off like he did under the pressure that Bunting was then putting him under at that stage, I think that's massive going forwards. And I don't think he'll be one little bit scared about either Dirk or Boris Koltsov in the next round. I don't think he will either. But again, we'll get onto that bit very, very shortly. Charlie... The other thing to talk about in this game is the fact that for the first time in the World Championships this year, we got a tiebreaker. The final set has to be won by two clear legs uh, after the first round, basically second round onwards. Uh, this one didn't go all the way to the five-all sudden death leg because of the brilliance of Ross Smith in back-to-back legs, a one-six-seven followed by a one-zero-two for the match. Unbelievable darts under the most extreme pressure. Back-to-back twelve dart legs with those two finishes is world class in any format. Seriously world class. And you saw with the one six seven the reaction that he gave. Um I mean if that if it wasn't a tiebreaker, then that would have been an incredible way to finish it. But to then not ease off because he kind of would have said, Oh, that's my that's my side of the job done because I'm ahead of the game now and it's Steve who's got to throw up. But then to still chase it and to take out the, the, the checkout that he did to win the match was incredible. And you saw the reaction from Steve Bunting. You can't really do much more, can you, in tiebreaking? Someone's at a one six seven and a one oh two. What can you do? So, you know, Ross Smith will will take a lot from, from that and to go to the tiebreaker was, was you know, a serious bottle from him, especially after after experiencing the highs at the start and then the lows have been pegged back. He's then sort of built up after that and, you know, he's, he's peaked at just the right time in the game. Yeah, really uh, did. I, I thought as well what was really impressive was the fact that it's it was the right way to go on that final finish as well. As soon as he'd left the marker, that he didn't faff about going the way that would have already been in his head to go. He was clearly was switched on and knew what he was doing at that point as well because he went, that's a good marker, I'm staying there. And I would say the double 11 and just just run with it. I thought he was clearly he was thinking properly at that point as well. And, and like I say, Bunting at the end, what can he do? He'd have had to go out in 12 and then 9 to beat him. So Yeah, good luck with that one. Uh, interesting question from Jamie. says, does that Bunting loss completely negate what he did there? Last year, two steps forward, two steps back again. We've seen similar at the World Match Play when he found himself in the semi-final previously, not quite backing up the year after. A player with bags of ability, former BDO World title, comes in and wins a Pro Tour in his very first outing. As a PDC player, we've seen him go relatively close, but never really um, pick up the silverware in the PDC that perhaps a player of his ability should have. Um, Cam, where do you see Stephen Bunton's career going from here? Um, yeah, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really write him off because of losing that game today. I think he was very, very competitive, and it he was very close to to winning that game. And then we're talking about him going on and having a run again, rather than than Ross Smith. Um, yeah, okay, it makes it a little bit tricky for him now. In terms, just nearly dropped my phone there, so I just had a little panic because I nearly dropped it. Um, yeah, it just makes it a little bit tricky for him in the fact that. Next year, he's going to be defending a hell of a lot of money when he gets to the World Championships because he hasn't got any this year from it, really, other than what he's got. But <coughs> he's very careful, again, of going on a run again next year and, and defending that money. So I wouldn't be too concerned for him. But I think he's he certainly he seems to have the confidence of, of the last year or so. But his game is there and he's, he's back to the sort of levels we've seen from him in the past. So I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, and we spoke about how open Ross Smith's run for the draw is now. Like I said, he does play Dirk van Dijvenboda or Boris Koltsov next. Um, then would potentially play either Gerwin Price, Kim Hybrex or Steve Beaton. 
obviously that'll be after 10 days between games for Gerwin Price as well. Um, on to the evening session then, boys, and we start off with a pretty one-sided affair. Martin Kleermacher, the serial killer, as we here at Online Darts have affectionately named him because he is menacing looking. Um, defeating, <laughs> defeating John Michael 3-1, Charlie. Um, John Michael just never really seemed to get going in this one. Once again, the third set looked like he was showing a bit of resistance. And then there's just nothing left there for the fourth set. Yeah, I mean, Kleermacher was probably got away with one today, to be quite honest. I do I do like him and I rate him, but his doubling is really poor. Um, he had 33 opportunities at a, at a double and only took 10 of them. So it shows how, how big a difference there was between the two players, but his doubling, he will get punished if he plays a much better, more clinical player. Um, but yeah, the difference was there to see from the start, really. And, and John Michael just didn't, get going um i mean he, he obviously won himself a set and um you know he, showed, he had a big celebration there but Cleomacher didn't really let it bother him and you know he got stuck in can i also say that he's an absolute giant because i've ne- i saw him walking past <laughs> michael when he was throwing and he was up to like his waist i was like he is a huge human being he is, he is a big old boy there's a few other montores of vincent van der Voort, boris kirchmar um, Florian Hempel is another tool and if you're a yeah. professional handball player you're never going to be a short ass like Cam at the bottom there um, but yeah he is a, a big old unit um, Martin Kleermacher um, mentioned he was poor on the doubles there was one set when he went absolutely berserk Cam um, we've seen it at times on the floor this year um, a little bit disappointing when he has been on TV but a win's a win again and moves on to the next round yeah, I think I, this is one of the interviews I've actually already watched um, that he did with with Phil after the game, and I don't think he would, he wasn't really concerned whatsoever about the fact that he didn't play particularly well today. He was just happy to finally get up there after missing out last year, and just happy to get the result and move on. And he knows there's a lot more in the tank, and that he can play a lot better, and that he has been practicing and playing a lot better than than he did. So just another case again of just getting through that first getting through that first round it was i'd say it was a potentially tricky tie but to be honest john might he kind of proved what jarla said last night on the on the show that he's not so very good darts player at the moment and other than very short spells <laughs> I, I can't now argue with jarla whatsoever in that we tried to because it's jar we tried to avoid the fact last night, me and you, in, in agreeing with him and saying that you can't say that, but he was, he was great. <coughs> Indeed. Um, Simon Whitlock up next for Martin Klimeka. That, boys, is quite a winnable tie, I think, right now, because Simon Whitlock, we, again, has been a player that we've seen glimpses of throughout the year, Charlie, but not quite consistently delivered at the level of Simon Whitlock when he first came into that PDC. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I expect a high-scoring game. You know how prolific Whitlock can be on, on treble 20, and he, he, he has gone through phases. But Cleomacher, if he can just tie up the doubles, I, I can see him going all the way and getting through Whitlock, to be honest. Um, he's not been in the greatest form recently. Um, and, you know, he's, he's he'll take confidence from today's game because he's he's through after missing out last year. This You know, that's, that's another one ticked off for him. Um, but, yeah, it's it's... It's going to be a good game between the two. If Whitlock brings his A game, then you know you'd, you'd expect a really tight one. But Cleomacher can you know take a lot of confidence from today. Yeah. And what about Michael going for the ball first with fifty left? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, I would do that <coughs> because I wouldn't be confident that I would hit the single number. So it guarantees me a shot at a double at least. But I am not playing in the World Championships. It's an absolutely ridiculous way to go. Well, is it? Yes. Because what well, the logic is, if you go for a bullseye first, it, hear me out. If you go for a big single, you get yeah. two darts at a double, depending on what double you then leave and split or wherever you put it. You go for a ball first, you should still get a second dart at a double if you hit the big number and set it up. Or you but get really fortunate and you get three it. darts at a double. If you miss and you drop it in the 18 or the 10, you've actually had three darts at a double. 
No, it's the smallest target on the board, man. Come on, you don't want to leave yourself <laughs> faffing around on on twenty five or on on potentially I don't know thirty nine or whatever. You could leave anything. You could leave four. You could leave. Yeah, but it's always going to be a single to double combination. It's not as if you've ever got to go and hit a treble and, and you're going to make yourself worse. Yeah, but if you're if you're confident enough that you can do that and you're not going to miss the big number on that second dart if you miss the bullseye, then you're going to get definitely going to get two shots at double anyway because you're not going to miss the big number first time round. No, it's not the right way to go, is it? Like. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having a discussion about it because everyone would do it. Maybe everyone's just not worked out yet. What, 20 years ago, going double-double was not the way to go. It was seen as disrespectful. That is the, yeah, but that is the way to go because it's a bigger target. Yeah, well, guarantee the double. That is all I'm saying. Uh, Paolo says, <laughs> please someone tell me the result of the Portela versus Suter match. We can. Uh, Alan Suter won that one 3-2 in the final set. Um we're just waiting now on some clips. There we go. And actually, we are going to play you a clip from Alan Suter's match. I appreciate it. we're going to jump around a little bit uh, for the next couple of minutes uh, before we do talk about the rest of the evening session. Um, but let's take a step back. Let's hear from Alan Suter firstly. Speaking of Mensah, a little bit fragile at the moment, his, his form. Didn't play well against Fallon. And then that carried over into the players' championships. Is that something that you're nodding? So obviously you've seen that. Is that something you've identified yeah, that you, he can be got out and attacked? Yeah, of course. And, and I, I love darts. So I look at darts. I watch interviews with the dart players. I watch what everyone's doing on the tour. I look at stats. I look at the rankings. So I, I'm aware of what he's been doing and where he's not been at the Pro Tours as well. You know, it's pretty obvious he wasn't at the Pro Tours and his form was going to struggle. He had a good World Cup. But maybe it was Rodriguez that pulled him through the World Cup. So, yeah, I, let's hope that the scars from Fallon... A year ago, still sore, and he, he he doesn't play his best against me. Some interesting points there from Suter, opening up a few wounds for his potential. Well, it's the next round opponent, Mensor Sulovic. I really like that from Suter. He speaks a yeah. good game. Yeah. And did you hear his Gary Anderson impression in there as well? I'm not going to try it. My Scottish actor, become your oh, Scottish. You do it. I am not Scottish. We, we know this. Um, <laughs> No, I just love that he loves darts and he watches darts and he keeps track of all of it rather than everyone tries to play it down and like, oh, I don't watch it when I'm not playing. And I know when he's got time. The man's literally a firefighter that raises guide dogs and is, is just And then has to practice and do the rest. No idea. No idea. Indeed. Uh, I'm hoping... No, we don't have a smudger. So we're going to move on. We're going to look at the second game of the evening session. And it was an all-German battle, boys, that should, preemptive with should, have been very, very close. That was not the case. Florian Hempel blowing away Martin Schindler in straight sets, Charlie. A bit of revenge after the German Super League final earlier in the year. I didn't expect it, to be honest. I thought this was going to go all... Um, all all the way, which you know, I, I, that's what I'd have liked to have seen between the two. But Florian Hempel just completely went through. We've seen it on the Pro Tour this year that he's he's gone the distance in quite a few of them in the Players Championships, and it, you know he's he's in a bit of decent form. You have got to look at the checkouts across the course of the match: one five six, one five eight, one one four. I mean, Hempel really stepped it up today, and Schindler didn't really have an answer for it, but. Um, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a shock result. I didn't expect it, um, but yeah, Hempel will be absolutely delighted, and you know he's looking to continue his his pretty decent form this year. Yeah, and Cam, that, that, that pretty much preempts the conversation we're going to have later about big finishes. But Hempel was on fire on that ring. He was, yeah. Those two big finishes, the one five six and one five eight, both of them <laughs> absolutely bang in the middle as well. Uh, they just looked. From the first dart of the Travel 20, just looked like they were going, both of them, and took, took them both out. And, yeah, I think that they really hurt him, I think, at that point, because early on, it, it was fairly competitive, and it was looking like being a very good game, like we expected it to be. He'd never beaten Schindler before this either, as I sort of touched on last night as well, which he didn't look... There was no signs of nerves or, like, that felt that Schindler had the better of him or anything like that. He just went up there and bashed him up and I think at 2-0 similar would just he was finished the wall had been well and truly knocked down at that point 
Uh, <laughs> Tommy says, Hempel to be the best German darts player soon? I think so. I, yeah. I genuinely think he's in with a chance. Max Hopp seems to have struggled with all the pressure that comes with being Max Hopp in Germany. Um, Gabriel Clemens is a very, very solid player, but he's yet to have taken that next step. I think Hempel, look, we've seen the qualities that being a sportsman from another sport can bring it into bring it into darts can help you with going price obviously coming in from rugby hempel professional um handball player previously knows how to deal with the media and that sort of thing so he's never really worried about going up in those situations i think his action by the way i mentioned a little bit it's a bit like mark selby when he plays snooker there's a lot of movement at, at times where it doesn't really matter but the minute he sets the dart back and brings it forward in a straight line the speed is good the consistency is good it's a straight line there's a brilliant extension of his arm the release is always at the same time it is very very solid and you can get a little bit distracted by him with all that movement to start around but the minute that dart is back in that trigger position boys it looks solid cam yeah yeah it really does um like i say there is a lot of movement about but as long as he keeps that timing and keeps it like you say solid at the point where he actually gets into position then it really doesn't matter, and as long as he can stick with that, there's not a lot to go wrong with it. There isn't. Well, I've got to Jamie, it's action. But I think the way that I just explained it, that there's a lot of messing around with it before he throws, but the minute he comes to throw, he looks absolutely fine. Um, on to then the penultimate game of the evening, boys, and the one that everybody's been waiting for for three and a half days, or at least it feels like it. Um, because that's when Sky started promoting this one. Mm -hmm. Fallon Sherrick uh, returned to the Alexandra Palace against Steve Beaton, who made his 31st World Championship appearance. What a record for an absolute legend of a man. There is absolutely only one place to start, though, Charlie. Who on earth does that Alexandra Palace crowd think they are booing Sir Steve Beaton? I'm kind of glad you've got me and cam on because if you'd have got jar on after the tweet and the uh the <laughs> rattling the rattling that he's done this evening <laughs> um yeah look i think it didn't we it was, it was always going to happen um and that, that's just the way that it, it was i'm sure steve beaton were prepared for that but i kind of expected during the game him to drop off and he really didn't the standards that he set were incredible um for him and and you know the, the way that he is and how long he's been there I just didn't expect him to continue it, but it just felt like from that first set when he won it, it, it was kind of written in the stars that Fallon just could not match him. I guess. Cam, I want to touch us over there because there was a lot of talk about it being the game of the tournament. It wasn't. That was Willie Borland against Bradley Brooks. I think yeah, Ross not even, not even as out for that. Yeah. And the one that followed also, by the way, is, is definitely over a chance for that. And the standard has been touched on a lot about how good it was. He beat an average 90, Fallon... 88 and i want to look a little bit further down the line with this in that it was a competitive performance it was good back and forth between those two but should fallon be placed in the premier league as is being suggested by an awful lot of people that just won't cut it against the top 10 players in the world it won't no but it is just one performance we've seen her do a lot more than that over a lot longer as well there's a that wouldn't change my mind on whether to put her in on the on the back of one bad performance. We've seen it from everyone at times that they show in a not as good game. I didn't think she was she wasn't too bad tonight, but I thought there was a lot towards the end, particularly a lot of loose darts, which I generally don't see as much of from her. She generally stays pretty straight, but there were a lot drifting into the one, especially towards the end. Um, Steve Beaton was fantastic, though. I just thought on throw particularly. He was brilliant. Like there was, he had a couple of rugby legs where he was missing it out to the out to the, into the five, and he was having a couple of rugby visits. But when he was back on throw, he was always kicking off strong, and thought he played played really well. I mean, I I thought he probably played slightly <coughs> higher than ninety average. I thought I was a little bit shocked actually that it was as low as I felt. Better than that, watching it at least. But I don't know if that was just partly the commentary and trying to talk it up more than it was. Um, yeah, it was, it, was an, it was a really enjoyable match to watch as much as anything. And Steve Beaton rolls on into a winnable tie in his next round, especially because 
Kim Hyrex has been having a little issue trying to get into the country. He's, as in. Well. He's in. He's in the country. Don't worry. Kim He's is in now, is he? Oh, okay. Kim is here. Um, he was turned away by the French border police. Apparently, now yeah. they're stopping people traveling between countries. Um, and he had to yeah, fly into Belgium. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was, should have made that a little bit of a dig, but you know, well, the French. Um, yeah, Kim Hyrex. <laughs> yeah, he'll take on Steve Beaton. Next, um, a lot of talk about the crowd, Charlie. They were always going to boo. They were always going to get on the side of Fallon Cherik. A lot of people were talking about true fans and, and real fans of the darts, etc. But again, this is the atmosphere that the PDC have built over the last 20 years. The World Championships at Ali Pali is the best Christmas party in town. And they'd rather have that than all of us sat here on YouTube talking about it that are there to appreciate good darts. They're going to clap along. We're not going to go and sing stand up if you love the darts, are we? Because we've been there, we've done it, whatever else. It just doesn't appeal as much anymore. It's, it's a different breed of fans, but I think people that are saying that they aren't true darts fans, mate, they're putting the money in the back pockets of the dart players. They're yeah. more than enough fans. It's, it's the same as traveling football fans. They pay their money to go sing what they want. Yeah, 100%. And you, you'll just see a lot of Christmas parties and stuff and friends going, which some of them will just think the darts looks good. Why don't we go there? You know, some of them are just there for, they're not really there for the, they don't really care who wins really. They're just there to have a good time, sing, drink, get absolutely smashed, dressed up. Some of them, the, the, there is people there who actually do enjoy it, but the booing of players like we saw tonight, I didn't agree with that. But then when Fallon um, leveled the game up at, at one all and then two all, just the atmosphere there, that confirms that sport needs live fans and yeah. not having them there to now, it just, it, it really does, it gives you that buzz, doesn't it, when you see everyone up on the feet and, you know, chanting and, and getting going. But yeah, they, they shouldn't have booed tonight, but we kind of knew it was going to come, didn't we? I actually didn't think it was that bad tonight. I, I, I think we've seen a lot worse in Fallon's games previously against other people. I actually thought they were pretty respectful. <laughs> there were a couple of boos, but there was nothing really when he was, when he was throwing. It was. I actually thought tonight was absolutely fine. I thought it was up. So there's a bit of good fun in the walk-on. Yes. Okay. None of us really want to see Steve beat and get booed just because of who he is. But I, I, I didn't think he was too bad at all tonight. I actually think there's been a lot of people going off on Twitter because they like to have a whinge about things and moan about things. I thought it was all right. But no, not on Twitter, surely. I know. I've not actually read Charlotte's report on tonight's darts yet, but I imagine his keyboard took a proper hammering when he was typing it out. <laughs> <laughs> New laptop incoming for Mr. Eaton. The thing is, I, I did say in a little bit of jest about booing Steve Beaton, and what I will say, this one, is that I don't recall anybody deliberately trying to make Steve Beaton miss. There was no, they didn't. booing at times, which is a little bit pantomime and a little bit in jest, I think. Um, but I don't recall anybody shouting or screaming or whistling on the throw. And I think that's that's a clear distinction. A wall of noise is the same noise, no matter what it is. The crowd yeah. can all go, ooh, when you're throwing on a double or whatever. You just have to learn how to deal with that because that's that's part of the entertainment. You're going to get it but when you're taking a penalty. You, you get it in every other sport apart from rugby where they make you sit in absolute silence when they're kicking a ball. Um, but, yeah, there was there was no whistling. There was no adverse moments where they really tried to affect Steve Beaton's dart. But for, I think for Steve Beaton, he's been in the game so long that he's probably, the, the amount of noise that he'll have heard across his whole career, stuff, he'll just be so used to just channeling and being able to focus on the darts. So for him, he'd have known it was coming and he prepared for it, but I think he, he did a really good job of, of blocking out just the wall of noise. That we, and we've seen it worse before. So I think I do agree with Cam in the fact that it wasn't as bad as a lot of people are making out it was. Correct. Yeah, Charles also said that he wants his right of reply that he didn't actually mention the crowd once regarding the beaten Cherub game. On to hearing from Sir Steve Beaton himself in his post-match press conference. I try to make out he didn't, yeah. I mean, he, I've had sleep this night and everything. I mean, there's, there's no lad that have all the dark players that can say, oh yeah, that, what a good draw you've got. You know, nobody wants to play Fallon, all he's there. And um, it's it's just the way the draw comes out. But you've got, like I said, you've got to treat him as an opponent and play your game. And uh, I am so, so happy I've, I've come out on top. 
simple, effective Steve of Eaton. What a hero. Uh, on to the final game of the evening. I just want to touch on a couple of comments before we do move on. Where has it gone? Paulo. Paulo is in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, an amateur darts player. Thank you for the nice chat to keep us updated and well-informed about the World Championship. It's absolutely our pleasure, Paolo. Hope you continue to tune in throughout the rest of the tournament and heading into Q School. Perhaps you'll be joining Diogo in a couple of years, flying the flag for Brazil. Um, Maliki, yeah, hit the like button. for Not just for Jack, for OD. We are a team. Yes, please do hit that like button. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the channel and comment below to get involved. We are quickly approaching 20,000 subscribers. You guys remember how crazy we went when we hit 10K earlier in the year. There will no doubt be some form of substantial giveaway at 20,000 subscribers on this YouTube channel. So make sure you are involved. Hit that button now, please. Folks, you really will appreciate it. Um, on to then, folks, the Final game of the evening, and what a game this was. I've even prepared my own little graphic for this one, boys. This says absolutely everything you need to know about the game. <laughs> and that's not even the right one. There's another one of those, and I've put the wrong one into the show. <laughs> there should be a second <laughs> one because it's missing 150. There were yeah. 10 ton-plus checkouts in the final match between Johnny Clayton and Keen Barry. Five each, Cam as Johnny Clayton shows off his credentials to add a fifth televised title to his repertoire this year. The man's already been on an absolute assault of silverware, um, and he looks in fine form, pushed all the way by the young Keen Barry. Yeah, it, this was a great watch, wasn't it? I think, like we say, it's right up there with, with the Brooks Bowling game in terms of quality and in terms of entertainment. It was back and forth. Johnny Clayton was banging trouble at one point in the middle of that game. And the way he fought back out of that, and then the last two sets were just absolutely astonishing from him. Just fired in the, like, obviously, King Barry at that point had hit four or five ton pluses already at that point. And Johnny had hit one, I think, and then fired in four more in the last two sets to just run away with it. And it was just, I've never seen anything like it. I think the records was seven, I think, for a, for a five-set game before before tonight, so that was comfortably beaten before <laughs> before we got into the final set. Um, yeah, only yeah. four matches have had more Tom Plus checkouts, I think, than we've seen tonight at the World Championship, the overall yeah. World Final, um, and a couple of others as well. Um, Charlie, yeah, yeah, a real examination right. of... Johnny Clayton, like we said, he's, he's been in unbelievable form this year. The only issue for him is that he's been winning the non-ranking televised events, but he's been competitive in virtually everything that he's done. Um, a real test in the first round as he comes out the other side of it with, by the way, the best average of the tournament so far. Yeah, really impressive from the ferret. Um, he just he just took his game to another level. It felt like Keen Barry was, was, was matched him. And if not bettered him for the major for the majority of that game, and then when it, when he needed it, the one fifty comes out in the last set, and it, it, it just sort of killed off King Barry. Then and a one a one twelve average in the final set in the deciding set is incredible, and that's just that's just the experience that he's got. But you do have to feel sorry for for King because he he played his heart out there, and he did deserve to win. But when you're coming up against a player like Johnny Clayton, who's had an absolutely incredible year. That next level is it, the next level of game is, is going to take it there, and it's it's always going to beat the best players on on the day. It is indeed. Let's hear then from Johnny Clayton before we look ahead to tomorrow's four matches. Um, can we threaten this at the start of the show that we we we'd be on time? Um, we're 100 percent not on time. So let's <laughs> through Clayton. We'll look ahead to tomorrow's four games very very quickly, and then we will let everybody. Get to sleep before, no doubt, some of you have to go to work tomorrow morning, myself included, for a couple more days before we do finally get that break for Christmas. Here is Johnny Clayton, though, in his post-match press conference. Four TV titles this year, including the Premier League. Would you hand them all back and swap them for this one? Yeah, definitely. Okay, maybe not. Yeah, no, I would. 100% I would. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to pick this up. It's, it's, it's every dark player's a dream, so I'd love to become a world champion. 
fair bit of money this year as Johnny Clayton across those four yeah. rounds. Might not four titles he's won. Might even be pretty close to the half a million that he has won. That would he would win by winning the world championship. But going down in history as a world champion just means something, boys. And I've been saying this for a long, long time now. On then to look ahead to tomorrow's action. Chat room, you know what to do when we're going through the games. Fire your score predictions up. I'm going to flash them up on screen as well. We are going to try and rattle through these as quickly as possible, though. Starting off, boys, with what could really be a close encounter. James Wilson against Luke Woodhouse. Charlie, I'm coming to you first. It's going to be a good game and what a game to start. Um, I am also on the fallout bar tomorrow night, I believe. So only four games to preview may mean a nice early night. Always, or we uh, just do an extra long in-depth Right, okay. now that I've said that, that is exactly what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> I think Luke would also win the game, but I think he wins it 3-1. I think he has just a little bit too much for James Wilson, but still a really good game to, to start off the uh, off, off the night. Yeah, on to you, Cam. Yeah, I, I think Luke would also win the game as well. Um, I think just just a little bit more in, in the time when he needs it, and I think 3-1. I also go Woodhouse. A couple of years ago, I probably would have edged towards Wilson, but I think Woodhouse has, has developed that extra level to his game over the last couple of years. Um, looks really competitive. And I'm just not convinced by James Wilson at the minute. He's a little bit hit and miss. I think he's had a couple of injuries as well. Uh, so with that, I am going with Woodhouse. Um, plenty in the chat room. I'm going Woodhouse as well. Um, but I'm going to go 3 1 2 Luke. Um, next up, boys, we saw Roby John put in a remarkable performance a couple of nights ago. His brother attempts to do the same tomorrow night. Uh, Rusty Jake Rodriguez will take on Ben Robb. And maybe we'll get to see the same interview again because they played him the wrong way around last time. Um, that was definitely meant to be Rusty interviewing Roby before he went on. We've got the other one. We'll, we'll see what Sky produced for us. Um, Cam, on to you for this one. Who wins? Um, I, I fancy Rusty to win. I think he's been playing playing some good stuff over the last few months, and I think he'll win relatively comfortably. Um, I think three one for me again. Charlie, on to you. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a classic of a game. Um, might be a bit of a slog fest, but I, I expect him to get the job done. I'm going to go three nil. Um, I think just the quality that he and and the he's played a lot this year, hasn't he? And he's had a lot of games under his belt, so I expect him to um, you know to have too much and and to get the job done relatively easily. Yeah, um, I'm a bit stuck on this one. I think Rusty has been fantastic. Um, and Rob, one of five Australians in the field. I think we lost two yesterday. Raymond Smith. That must be more than five. Oh, Raymond Smith is still in. Then Rob's a Kiwi, that's why. There's no extra star on the bottom of that flag. My apologies. Um, <laughs> it's a bit difficult to tell when they're that small. Um, I'm going to go Rusty, but I'm going to go 3-2. I think it goes close. I think Rob runs him in with a decent game. Um, Next up, can we have a Barney Alarm? I don't have it in the software we're using right now, but I would promise I will try and get the Barney Alarm for you folks tomorrow night. Raymond Van Barneveld, the five-time champion of the world, is back after retiring two years ago on the Ali Pali stage. Uh, he returns once again um, to the PBC. He takes on one of the quirkiest players in all of darts, but with the most fantastic action Lawrence Elagan from the Philippines. Cam, you're nodding in glee, which means you're going to go first on this one. Brilliant. I, we all like Lawrence Elagan. He's just very fun to watch, isn't he? Um, he's well, like the way the bloody camera because well, we yeah, that was my next bit. As long as he keeps his <laughs> ass out of the way and we can actually see what's going on. That's see, all we more of his backside than my own. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd like to say that he's going to push Barney close, and he's could possibly win it, but I just can't quite see it. I don't think he'll have had enough in terms of preparation and that match practice this year to 
to go and be able to do it. So I think we see Barney win um, becoming a bit repetitive here, but I think 3-1 as well. Yeah, Charlie, I think we've seen four, maybe five players that would normally be taking part on the Asian Tour playing the World Championship so far. Not a single one of them has managed to win a game so far. Lawrence Alaga normally pretty high up on those rankings, but again, without that tour, has struggled for match practice this year. How do you see this one going? Yeah, I think Barney will um, will get will get the job done. I'm looking forward to seeing him walk out. To be honest, um, I'm hoping that the crowd really give him a, a massive reception tomorrow. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing Alagan as well. I'm, I, he's always impressed me um, when I've seen him. But I think Barney wins it. I think Barney wins it three um, one. I think it's just it, the the gulf between the two is is pretty big. And obviously Barney's been heavily involved now that he's back involved on 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 you know, the Players' Championship and everything. But yeah, 3-1 to, to Barney. Yeah, I'm going to go 3-1 as well. I think Alagan does pinch a set. He's just got that ability to wind players up and get under their skin a little bit and produce those moments. But Barney's been pretty consistent this year from what I've seen. He struggled a little bit early on with the fitness and getting back into the regime of being up uh, Pro Tours consistently. But I think there's, there's still definitely a game there for Raymond van Barneburn. Actually, I think if you're the players at the World Seniors field, looking at the way that Raymond van Barneveld is playing at the minute, you're glad he has a tour card because he would be pretty high up in that as if he wasn't formidable yeah. enough. Um, by the way, we keep talking about the fact that there's been no Asian tour and that they're all struggling for a bit of match practice. Live League Asia? <laughs> what do you think, Phil? What was in the background? restrictions uh final game <laughs> tomorrow boys we touched on this one a little bit earlier because i was grinning with glee james wade gets his world championship campaign underway against mike cliven over a little bit flat earlier on um but cam how do you see this one going um i think this could be quite a tasty one i think this could be game of the day and i've just got a little bit of confidence in kevin Owen after listening to Ooh, you so you've got a bit I, of confidence in a man that averaged 88.88 exactly that but that was just yeah no but uh, i don't know <laughs> i was talking myself out of it already <laughs> i just try i just try to get a lot of you again for the second time today um yeah let's see another seed go three two Kevin Holt. See you go for the rest of the week. You carry on, <laughs> Charlie. Um, yeah, Wade Wade wins for me. I think his game is just too consistent, and recently he's he's hit levels that will will blow Kevin Owen away. Um, unless unless he can, you know, sort of um, improve on his doubling, I think Wade wins. I think he wins three one. I think Kevin Owen nicks a set, but I think the consistency of James Wade is just going to be too much for him. Um, and I expect it to be relatively easily uh, an easy way through for, for James Wade. Yeah, as always, the concern here is that if James Wade averages 92 for the first set, that is where it will stay for the entire match. Um, again, before the Grand Slam, a little bit tetchy about where James Wade sits at the minute. Obviously, doesn't have the greatest Ali Pali record. It's one of the only titles that the man pretty much has not won. Um, but that being said, battle of left-handers tomorrow as well, rather interesting I think Wadey wins this one. Three, one, boys. That pretty much wraps up the show tonight. Thank you very much to everybody in the chat room once again. Thank you to our friends at Foil Sports for sponsoring the coverage of this show. Keep an eye on our website and socials uh, for the best bets offers and anything else we can offer you from our friends at Foil Sports. Uh, before we do go, uh, a little bit of a sad moment here at Online Darts. Um, Jarlath Eaton tonight has written his final preview for the team. He said, even and all, wanted to say thank you for being so amazing and watching the channel. See you around. Jar, we are going to miss you, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure to have worked with you from on the hockey as a podcast all the way up to Online Darts, mate. You've been absolutely superb and, and crucial to what we've managed to get off the ground here at Online Darts, mate, and we really are going to miss you, but is off to spend some time with family over Christmas. His final preview will be live on our website tomorrow morning. And then uh, it's up to the rest of us to fill that massive gap that he is leaving in the team. So all the best, buddy. Uh, really do mean that. I love you to pieces. Um, thanks very much for watching, folks. And on, on that note, we will see you all tomorrow.
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.